0: What's up everybody? This is Lizzie. If you notice, my voice sounds just a little bit different this week. We are in transit and I don't have all my equipment set up just yet, but that doesn't stop me from acting on the muse. So I was just thinking, I watched, um, the lake pond. Is that the right word? The lake pond? No, I don't think it is. It's the long pond sessions. the documentary on Disney Plus about Taylor Swift and all of the behind the scenes with writing the folklore songs on her folklore album. Anyway, I was watching that today in my depressiveness because I will tell you a little bit more in a minute, but I've been in a bit of a a depressive episode, which as a life coach who teaches on this stuff, it's, it's a very interesting thing because Like Taylor Swift, the way that I alchemize my hard experiences basically creates tons of values in what I put out to the world, (laughs) tons of value. So it's not like I I try to be depressive to make money, nothing like that. But at the same time, um, it's just interesting how some of my best work and my best content really comes from like my internal alchemy um, in my life. So yeah, you'll get to hear a bit of that today. Um, Anyway, I just wanted to share with you what I what I think I have in common with Taylor Swift, (laughs) except gratefully, I don't have to deal with the tabloids and people spying on me with a 200 foot camera lens. (laughs) Okay. So how are you today? How, how are you? What do you have in common with Taylor Swift? I would love to know which of her songs resonate the most with you. Hold on. I'm going to pause and I'm going to think about that. And then I'm going to tell you my answer. I want you to do the same. Okay. I just, I decided there's just not one answer, but for today, there's an answer. So I'll give you my answer for today. Um, it's one of the, like maybe the second to last song on her folklore album. I could look it up, but I'm not going to. Um, I think it's called peace or I could never give you peace. And I loved hearing the way that she crafted it and the way Aaron Dessner created the, the, um, music for it and just the mastery she puts into her lyrics. It's so amazing. Such great alchemy. Speaking of alchemy. Anyway, um but I I love it's like who do you want to be sad with? Who would you be sad with? If you knew that you were going to get married and there would be like 8 months or 8 years of gray clouds and cloudy skies metaphorically speaking, right? If there was going to be depression or loss or financial problems, would you still be up for the deal? Would you still want to stay? And um I love that song. I could never give you peace, but I can give you my love. I can show it to you in all the ways. I can give you me, but I might not be able to give you peace. Um, Aaron Dessner actually, he sits across from Taylor Swift. If you don't have Disney Plus, no, this is not a paid advertisement, but you might just need to go get it. Just if I, I mean, hopefully you do. Hopefully most of us do. I know it's kind of like another monthly expense, and we all have so many monthly expenses. But if you can spare even just one month, it's worth it to see the um, the documentary she has on there. Of I don't know if it's really a documentary, but it's just. Her making these songs, anyway. Aaron Dessner, the guy that created a lot of her music, he's from the Nationals. He, uh, sorry for that album. So he shares about how he experiences depression, and frankly, I think we all do. I just, um, I think, I think personally that depression is is an adult tantrum. It's an it's a tantrum from your inner child, and it is when there's been emotional debt that has been stored in your body, and it is the coming out of debt emotionally. So depression is actually an emotional gain in the long run, but we've been taught to see it as this deficit and as this problem, not the case, not in my experience. Um, and that I feel that way. As I listen to that song, I think about my husband, I think about my kids, I think about me. And I just think, you know, yeah, maybe I could never give you peace. Maybe I'm always going to be up and down because as a child, there was a lot that I went through and there was a lot that was stuffed in my body and it is coming up, (laughs) especially seemingly in my twenties and thirties. Um, and can these be the golden years too? And can these be the times of the most authentic raw love? And one more thing I'll say about this is I've been thinking a lot too about, um, have you ever known, Notice that so many artists, let's just say in the music industry, but I think this could span across very many different mediums of art, whether it's a playwright or um, you know paint on canvas type of artist. So many artists have gone through so much hard. And I'm not trying to portray an artist has to perpetually be a victim or anything like that, but I know because artists deserve happiness, right? (laughs) Everyone's worthy of happiness. And I've just noticed that it's very interesting how when the world or greater society decides that an artist is valuable and all of a sudden they quote, make it big and their art is worth lots and they get featured in magazines or whatever, but they were always there before anybody in the world besides themselves believed in them and knew about them. And that's how I feel sometimes. I think for all of us, there's that, that inner artist, right? Whether we're just cre- artfully creating a family and that's our work of art or whether we're creating something else or both. Um, all of us has that quiet time before like other people realize how special you are and how glorious you are and how incredible you are. You feel it. And you go through the cloudy days and you, you have to still see yourself that way, no matter what. So I've had the chance to do that. And what I want to bring to you today is a short list of really sort of the trade secrets of depression. I've, I went from experiencing depression as a brand new mom. Okay. I wasn't brand new because I had two kids and to having experienced it a couple other times from that time. And, and, So let's see. I would say I've had three main depressive episodes, this being the third that I'm experiencing currently in some ways. And then um, two others, one, both of those others were postpartum. So after my second baby and after my third baby. And I've just decided that depression means that you're birthing something. I literally, it's like magic. And when I see it that way, I always find the things that I'm birthing. And so this episode is one of the things that I birthed. And I'm excited to share with you guys, especially in a culture that really likes to uh, tell you that depression is scary and bad and we want to avoid it, we want to medicate it. And I'm truly all for medications. I think I have episodes that kind of share my stance on that. And I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to tell you what to do. But I do want to just advocate for the blessings and the superpowers that depression bestows upon those who are exhibiting it and who are experiencing it um and this is literally coming from someone who is experiencing it currently now i will say that what's interesting is and i okay one more thing before i dive in right so what's interesting is that i'm in depressiveness right now and i feel like it's supervised in other words i know any flags You know, like if I were to, I don't, I haven't gotten to this point at all, but if I were to feel, um, my scary flags, right? Like smiling at scary thoughts or having suicidal thoughts, these are flags that all of us are aware of and that we want to make sure we look out for. So I know like my low, low flags. And then I also know and could see, there's always a little time when you can't see that it's happening and then you, and then you start to realize that it's happening and then you just get to decide what to do at that point. So for me, I just decided to get some support and just go through it because I know how to do depression. It's not a problem. It's not a big, scary thing for me anymore. It used to be really terrifying and panicky. Um, but I think it's interesting. And I want you, if you're depressive, I want you to try to find these two parts of yourself. There's always two parts of yourself in depression. There's the part of you that's in the depression. And then there's the part of you that's witnessing yourself in the depression. There's always, I promise you, there's always those two parts. And it doesn't mean you're bipolar. It's just a, a fact of being a human. You have, We have this amazing prefrontal cortex, this amazing ability to, even in the moment, to be in the moment in your body, but to, in your brain, zoom out and see the moment from a different perspective. It's crazy. Like this duplicity, this duplicity of stance and perspective that we can do. <laughs> and so... Um, what I've realized is one of my best strategies to experiencing depression in a, in a way that breeds good change, birthing, alchemy, um, growth, etc. cetera, and safety even is to just not try to get out of it, but just get really good at seeing it and supervising it while I'm in it. And then it works for me and it does amazing things for me. And so as I've gotten good at that and I, and I I want you to know you guys, this is possible for you too. It's not like I'm extra, super amazing, Or something. I mean, I am. I think I'm amazing. (laughs) But I think all of us can do this. And um, especially if you want to have like a big, important life to whatever your standards of big and important are, not anybody else's, right? If you just want to go out and do things that are really important to you that scare you, um, even maybe they might be public or they might be publishing or whatever you're gonna you're gonna need to get comfortable with lows and not freak out and panic and try to medicate yourself every time you go through this because it's just part of living a full spectrum existence and if you're gonna be a creative of any kind same thing so I want to I want to chart here publicly I want to professionally and publicly put down some of my favorite depression superpowers here we go the first of my favorites, and this comes from me being a mother of children, is the superpower of play. <clears throat> now, I don't feel like I was that good at this when I first got depressive, so this comes as I am in my third like set of depression. <laughs> I, um, I have this—I realize that there's this alternate reality you can go into with your kids— and remember, there's the one that's into the there's the party that's in the depression, and then there's the party that supervises. So I always have this supervisor who's looking out for my safety. But unless safety's at stake for my kids or for me, it's just really cool to like disappear into my children's world. It's super cool. And and I feel like it's if I was traveling through the universe, it would be like taking this little wormhole and it spits you out on a different planet for a minute. And like gravity's different and the colors are different. And so, um, I call it play (laughs) play can be a completely different reality. So yesterday, my son, he's my youngest son, he's four. And he is, when I'm in depression, my kids watch more shows than typically, which I think makes a lot of sense and is normal. And so that's just one of my strategies. I have a bunch of strategies I want to share with you maybe in a different episode. And, um, so one of them is delegating my motherhood to, you know, different shows or screens and stuff. And, but my four year old, he's not, he doesn't buy that as much. He still needs to move his body as, you know, as much as he almost ever does and still wants to play with me, et cetera. no purchase necessary. VGW group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And so instead of just like resisting that, I just like melted into it. And um I we were outside, we created a game with a, a small broom. It wasn't a full-size broom. It was like a, a half of a broom. And then a a ball and <laughs> an old deflated volleyball from like before I had kids and I think it's mine. And anyway, so he would pitch the ball and I would hit it. And then we made up this fun little cheer we did and these, this run we did around the yard. And then we would take turns and switch and stuff. And then he sometimes wanted me to just drop on the ground and roll around. Um, sometimes he wanted me to chase him. Sometimes he, he wanted to race and I just said, yes. And then I said yes again. And then I said yes some more. And even when it was getting dark and even when it was cold and I was feeling cold, I just kept saying yes and melting into this world of play and that, my friends, is one of the sacred spiritual superpowers of depression. So look for that. Look for the wormhole of play. It takes you to a different dimension. Melt into it. Say yes. And remember and trust that you do have, even in depressiveness, you have this safety net, this ability. You know, It's not like if you let yourself melt into play that you're going to allow people to just totally hurt themselves. Um, I will say that my danger sensitivities come down a little bit, which is actually really nice. I don't freak out about every little thing, but I still do coherently understand when my kids are safe or not. Um, which is one of the reasons I'm allowing myself to be with them because that's pretty cool that I can do that. So just, yeah, that's a cool one. Um, the second one is I kind of just touched on it, but calm, it is the superpower of calm. So when you're anxious, you're not calm at all and part of i think where depression comes from is after weeks of being anxious you get into this burnout like your adrenals are burnt out like your nervous system is just fried <laughs> which is definitely where i feel like there's a the, that's that encompasses some of why i'm here for sure and so um yeah one of the areas that i experience a lot more calm when i'm depressive is um clean like cleaning so typically when i'm not in adrenal fatigue and depressiveness, which again, I'm saying to you is a gift. So hang with me. I'm going to show you some ways that that could be true. And if you don't want it to be true, it definitely doesn't have to be for you. Um, but yeah, when I'm depressive, one of the ways that I, um, experience a lot of calm is around the cleanliness of the house. And in my first couple episodes of depressiveness, I used to really harp on myself. Like even in my depression, I had no concept of self-compassion at all. Um, at that time, I mean, I shouldn't say no concept of it, but especially in depression, when I was in depressiveness, it was new to me and I was hating it and fighting it and wanted to get out of it. I didn't see the beauty in it. I didn't see the power in it. I didn't know that there was alchemy that could come out of it. Even though there was, I was, I just, I just hated it so much. I couldn't see any of this stuff that I'm showing you right now. And, um, I was resisting it hardcore, scared to death of losing my identity, all the things, right? I'm sure you can relate a hundred percent. And so I would do one of two things. I would just like power, powerlessly surrender to no cleanliness in the house, or I would clean, even though I was too, really too exhausted to do so and too depressive really to do so. I would clean from this forced fearful place of needing to fit into an identity of a wife that keeps a clean house and a mother that cleans up after her kids and stuff. And being here in Arizona and just, um, going through this depressiveness recently, I've just, let myself keep it like clean when I want to, but not when I don't. And um, sometimes that looks like going to bed with the house dirty. Sometimes it looks like having just enough energy to clean it right before bedtime. Sometimes that looks like cleaning it first thing in the morning. Sometimes that looks like cleaning it mid afternoon and having it messy through the morning. And it really doesn't bother me (laughs) one way or the other. It's just like waves of an ocean and I just ride them. Um, And so I really want to, I want to thank myself first of all, for, for letting myself be where I'm at and just wanted to offer to you that whether you're feeling like you're fitting the depressiveness descriptions or not, you can ride the waves of calm. I'm going to pause real quick to say, if you don't know if you're depressive and you're kind of curious if you are or not, or if you don't know if you are experiencing anxiety, but you do feel like maybe life's a little out of whack, you can go to lizzie forward slash freebie and you can download my personally, I created it. It's a PDF. It's a personal, um, guide to sort of self-diagnosing. This isn't, is uh, your, your depression or anxiety postpartum. It's not meant to replace a doctor by any means. It's just meant to really help you and be empowered to take the initiative with your health so that you can go into a doc, you know, an OB's office, educated, with some sort of concept of where you're at and the help that you might want to ask for or get for yourself. So it's lizzielangston.com forward slash freebie, F R E E B I E, and it's just called the postpartum, the ultimate postpartum depression and anxiety guide, I think. <laughs> All right. The next superpower that I have when I'm in a depressive mode or chapter is um, with my kids, I'm amazing at like sugar. Let me just, I don't even know what to call this one, but let me just explain it. (laughs) So typically I take it upon myself for better or for worse to sort of manage how much sugar my kids eat. And even when they're eating sweet stuff, I sort of project my dislike of sugar and honestly just the food culture that is so American that we live in. And I really like am off putting about sugar towards them and um, probably not even to a beneficial it's, I don't even think it benefits anyone <laughs> comes from a good place, but I think I'm just really like breeding the, like the hatred of the way that the the food culture is in our country and the way that it's impacted me and how I didn't know about it for so many years and the way it creates cancer in people's bodies and ugh, all of it. So systemic. And, um, anyway, it's not helpful. And one of the superpowers when I'm depressive is I just stop fighting it. I stop, like, putting, accidentally putting sugar on a pedestal like so many of us do, where we're like, you can have this dessert once you eat your vegetables. I don't do that. I just like, if they want some sugar with their meal, like whatever form of sugar they're wanting, whether it's ice cream, whatever, it's like, sure. Yep, like, yes. And um, they magically self-regulate. They magically self-regulate. They will get out the carton of ice cream, they will scoop themselves some up, and they will leave when they're done. Sometimes they eat all the ice cream they scooped up Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they scoop up a little bit more and then they're done. Sometimes they take one bite and they go play and forget all about it. I think so much of their desire for sugar is in concentrated around the forbiddenness and like the, my own personal resistance to it, which, um, I'm working on for myself, but it's interesting to notice that when I'm depressive, I'm so good at just like allowing that. And again, from a zoomed out perspective observing, but I'm not narrating to them or shaming them and they self-regulate so well. So it's almost like a reverse psychology thing (laughs) and it is a superpower. And I'm going to take that with me, you know, out of this episode of depressiveness. I'm really excited about that learned lesson from this time. Okay. The next one is just perspective and the ability to zoom out. So just like I was saying, there's, there's this two, two parts of us when we're in depressiveness, where we've got the per the depressive one, and then the, the observer and the compassionate, hopefully the compassionate one, if that's that part of for you, I definitely, I hope she can be compassionate to the depressive one. Uh, but that duplicity, like that double perspective, I also experience that when I'm in a depressive um, space, I experience that with my entire life. So I go from um, being in my life to kind of zooming and being out of it, being in my body to being out of my body. And so I see my body in a different way. And I see specifically what I want to focus on with this one is I see my life a different way. So, for example, in this most recent depressive episode, I've started to realize that I can't keep calling um, my work life work because it's just life. It's just part of me. And I'm coming into this state of acceptance around it. And that's a gift that I didn't have before coming into this depressive time. Um, But through, through just melting into the depression and not fighting it and not judging it and just being with it, like literally like a friend on my shoulder, um, welcoming it in being next to it. Right. Um, I've been able to, to really see shift into the mindset that I know will ride with me to the next levels of life, not just levels of business, right? Because it's not like business is this orange that I'm trying to squeeze all the juice out of all the money, all the cash. It's like, no, this is, this is part of me. So if I'm juicing my business, I'm juicing me like that doesn't work. So I think, um, it's just a little verbiage shift, but definitely just seeing my business as my life. Um, and Same thing for you, not seeing motherhood or maybe you own a business as well, but specifically with motherhood and mothers, not seeing motherhood as like this separate thing from yourself, like allowing yourself to be in your motherhood. It's not like you're on mom duty and then you're off mom duty. It's like it's all you. Are you bringing you and all of you to your children? That doesn't mean oversharing with things that might not be age appropriate for them. It doesn't mean you can't shield and protect them. It doesn't mean you're like a friend to them and not a parent, but also there's a happy medium between just being a mom and just being a friend to them. There can be this beautiful medium, which is where I like to hang out, which is you're super authentic with yourself you're super authentic with them, but you also have that parent piece of it piece of you that knows how to like guide them and direct them and teach them even when it's hard. Okay, and then the last one I want to share so we've got number 1 was the play, number 2 is um calm around cleaning the house, number 3 is um magically the kids self-regulating around sugar as you just stop fighting it. Um number 4 is zooming out and seeing your life from a different perspective and number 5 is really truly experiencing the beauty of sadness. And so a lot of people think depression or depressiveness is sadness. It's like, you know, though, if you've experienced it, it's not necessarily just that a lot of depressiveness is emptiness. A lot of depressiveness is, um, like a feeling of just gone, like absent, absent from your brain, absent from your life, absent from your body. And, uh, again, it goes back to that theory of, like like a child. This is another thing was inspired from Taylor Swift's um, long pond sessions on Disney plus. But she said like, when did I stop throwing tantrums in the grocery store and laying myself out on the floor? When did any of us stop doing that and why? And she wasn't necessarily saying we should, and that we're supposed to, like, it's okay to socially grow out of expressing your emotion that way. It definitely isn't super convenient for like the world around you, but just tipping, you know, nodding your hat to like, where did it all go? That's the, the thing that um, Jack Antonoff says across from her, like, yeah, but when where does it all go? <laughs> so depression, like I said, is like if you were a jukebox and there was that one song you just hated playing, but the jukebox has feelings and it just wants to play that song. So it kind of comes up one way or another. And I, I have loved um, – even though in depressiveness I grieve my typical energy levels and I grieve the control over, like, my kids that I – I I trick myself into believing that I have on the regular because the truth is we don't ever have it. It's all just, they're all going to do what they want anyway. It's just like this fake thing that we think is real, (laughs) this control thing. Um, so even though I grieve those pieces, um, I have just like taken so much more of a hands-off approach and lived alongside my children, not like trying to be so much in the driver's seat with them. Even though, like I said, I'm still looking out for their safety and et cetera, but I give them so much more agency when I'm depressive. And I love that. And, um, yeah, I just want to offer to you that depression can be beautiful. I'm going to wrap up. If you I'm, I'm outside, by the way, <laughs> you've probably figured that out with the birds. It is a most glorious Arizona winter day, midday. It's warm and sunny, but still a little chilly. There's a slight breeze. All the birds are out. It's so pretty here in February, March in Arizona. It's um, the orange blossoms are going to be starting in March, and I'm really excited about it. Um, I wanted to. My concluding co- comments here are that is, if this is your first experience of depressiveness and or anxiety, I want you to know that there's many of us that have walked this road before you. And there's a lot of noise out there and stuff, but here's, here's what I want to say. If you were in my corner of the universe, I would, I already told you say that I want you to believe and I want to invite you to invest in the belief that you are birthing something. Whenever you're depressive, you're not stopping something. You're starting something. You're birthing a new version of yourself. It's like the darkness before the light of creation. Okay. And then number two is, I, this is supposed to be happening this is a normal part of the human experience and um, as women we've been so sanitized <laughs> by the patriarchy and g- generally the human emotion spectrum has been very like put into a box we've we've tried really hard as humans the delusion of not a full spectrum of emotion we've really worked at that and it's kind of creepy to me sometimes um and social media you know you can see very clearly those who are trying to really convince themselves that, depression and any negative emotion just shouldn't be in their life. And they're just cutting it out. And those who welcome it and who share it and the alchemy and the growth that is because they do that. not saying you need to share everything, but even if you just don't hide it from yourself, right? Um, So if I made depression mean every time it came up for me that I was failing, I would, I don't know how I would do life. I think I would be uh, missing out a lot. And so just know that that's the ego. The ego is the part of you that wants to hold tight to the identity of someone who's not depressed. We do have to grieve it. So with depression, every time comes some grief. Like I said, I I do grieve in moments. I have grieved in these past few, you know, couple weeks of this depressiveness. I have grieved, um, uh, my normal energy levels or my normal diet or my normal, this and that. But I'm not under any illusions that this is all bad. I know that there's birth happening and I get excited to figure out what it is. And I've already started to see it happening. Even I have some really great episodes that have come out of this that will be coming on the podcast um, and, and in my journal and, and stuff. <laughs> so um, yeah, just trust. Trust that you're birthing something. This is supposed to be happening as part of the normal human experience. I am a warrior with you, right there with you. And um if you want to work with me, I am opening my first group coaching program that is based around and structured around my course, my online course. So if you go to Lizzielangston.com forward slash course, you'll see that I have a course for sale. It's $5.99 and it's the postpartum anxiety course. It's good for postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression. Uh, birth trauma, childhood trauma, um, empowering yourself as a woman, liberating yourself from the patriarchy, stepping into your power. It's good for all those things. It's good for spiritual growth and just like maturing in very adult individual ways as a woman. And anyway, I love the course and people have been loving it and that's so cool. And I'm at a place right now with my depressiveness that I'm – I'm just focusing on that group. And so we start March 7th. So I'll probably drop this episode a little bit early so that those who might want to get in can hear about it sooner than later. Um, But yeah, it's March 7th is the day, the first day we're going to be meeting on Monday evenings. And probably around 715 Mountain Standard Time. Um, if we have a lot of East coasters, I might bump it up an hour. So I'm, it's flexible, but Monday evenings, the thing to do, if this sounds moderately or extremely interesting to you is to book a consult on my calendar and I'll either let you have your own consult, Or if I have a lot of consults right before the group, we might do a consult with like two or three mamas at a time. Um, but it is a free, a free time together. And, um, we can sort of like talk and make sure that the group feels like a fit. You can know about pricing and details. And I've been really flexible on those things because I am really, um, just wanting the right cohort of women to be in this first group. So I'm not like, I'm not overlooking. I'm really, um, being intuitive on all these consults and getting people in getting the right people the right fit at the right time in so just book a console at lizzie forward slash console if you're interested and there's an airplane coming over me here we are in mesa arizona there's an airport (laughs) i will bid you adieu for now book a console if you want to be in the group otherwise i'll see you right here in the next episode take care guys hey lizzie here I've helped dozens of postpartum moms just like you to manage their postpartum anxiety and deconstruct their postpartum depression. It's really easy for me. So if you're ready to feel better, I know the way. Let's chat on the phone. Set up a time by going to lizzylangston.com forward slash consult. It's pretty simple. And I will be calling you soon.